So God, this morning we come before you and we submit humbly before your throne. We submit to your authority in our lives. We submit to your presence in our lives. We submit to your word this morning. This is your word. This is the lamp to my feet. This is why I continue to sing together to let you are the light of the world. And we're proclaiming that truth this morning. You have ultimate authority over events, including and most importantly in our life, relationships. And so God, we just place these things on your altar this morning. And we pray that you would speak through us through Pastor Matt and his word. In Jesus' name, amen. So yeah, we get another session here with Pastor Paul. And uh, he is the pastor of pastors. Um, I hope you get the tone from Paul here that he really likes people and he likes the church. And I hope you get the idea from Paul that he probably would have been a good guy to hang out with. Um, uh, Some of the times we preach Paul like he's an angry little man, but when you read Paul and you read his letters to these people, um, you realize he is a guy who recognized that he has been saved by grace, that there is no place in his life that is not open to the authority of God, and that he wants to bring freedom where religious people have brought bondage. And he was a bondage bringer before he found himself in the place of leadership on the call of God himself. And so today, as we talk about some of these things, or as I talk about this, and and we've talked about it in the small group, my hope would be, and the prayer that I believe we get from Paul is that we would find freedom and release and peace today in that. So just a couple uh, pre-things for you. One is I want to emphasize again that marriage is a direct reflection of the gospel story. That's why from the moment you get married, from the moment you leave that altar, you go from a wedding to a war. Okay? And not with your husband. All right? (laughs) You're like, really? I said in our Sunday school class Sunday morning, I'm doing a a series called Real Marriage. And um, I, I said, you know, you stand at that altar, and for some of us, it's the best we'll ever look in our lives right there in that moment, right? You prepared for it, you set up, and then once you're done, it's like, hey, whatever, dude. So it's funny, too. People that got married in the 80s still look like they got trapped in the 80s, some of them. So, um, but the 80s are coming back, so that's all good. Praise God, you know. Um, so it, it is funny. If you ever wonder why, where some people are stuck in their world, like that you feel like they stepped off the fashion train, go into their house and look at their wedding pictures because that's what it is, right? They're like, that was the moment I looked the best, and I'm just living it out, right? And so marriage is a physical representation of the gospel. And so the enemy, as soon as we join together in marriage, what does he want to do? He wants to destroy us. Because if, if the enemy in this world can attack the gospel message and make that of none effect, then he can do anything he wants. Because the gospel is what saves us. The gospel is the word of salvation. Jesus Christ crucified for me and for you and for the redemption of the sins and regeneration of people and hearts and the drawing near to God. That's the truth of everything. And so in marriage, we are representing that relationship between God and his church, between Jesus Christ and the bride, which is the church. And if the enemy can attack that and make that of none effect, then what he does in the long run is discounts the gospel. That's why we are pained in the church when there is brokenness and there is hurt in marriages. And so the second thing would be that marriage is primarily about communication and repentance. 
I was going to show you a quick little video. Um, but the idea here, the bottom line thing, is there's a lot of people that claim that their marriages are loveless or that they've fallen out of love when the true realization is they've fallen out of repentance. I don't love my spouse anymore. The truth is you've decided not to submit anymore and you've chosen not to accept and forgive anymore. And that's a big deal. When there's a lack of forgiveness, there's broken relationships. So again, let's look to the model of Christ and the church What happens when we choose not to accept the gift of grace and forgiveness from Jesus Christ? There's broken relationships. What's the enemy's job? To break relationships. Where there is no communication, there is no community. Where there's broken communication, there's broken hearts and souls and and communities. And that's what the enemy specializes in, in our world. When we look at the gospel, we recognize that it's about prayer communication, repentance, obvious, that's a big deal, regeneration and redemption. And what we do is when we're married, we come together, we become new, we become one, we become unified under the heading of what God has set up as the most incredible functioning living organism that is sociologically set up, and that's the institution of marriage. We become new people when we're joined with the people that we're with. And it's not that I was incomplete before I met you and now I'm complete and then we have a movie and stuff like that. But what we do is we come to this as two whole people who under Christ can become better. And that's the deal. If you're looking for somebody to finish you off, this is what I tell our students all the time, that, you know, I'm just broken in so many ways and he makes me so much better. Then you're screwed up, right? (laughs) Two broken people don't make one complete person, right? It's like, if I don't understand construction and neither does my buddy, we're not going to really wire a house very well, all right? But we do that in marriage. We go, hey, we were working together on it. We're all screwed up, but the light switch won't work, and I can't figure out why. And the truth of it is, that's because we're not functioning in the way that it was set up to be. Next, next portion here is Paul, in this section, encourages celibacy. And we want to clarify what that is. He's saying uh, sex outside of marriage. For those who have not been married, that's what he's talking about on there from the very beginning, right? Preserving yourself and honoring yourself, okay? When you're not in a marriage covenant, Paul is very specific that sex outside of marriage is not okay. And he's very, very specific with what that looks like. And now in our world, again, a lot of the things that Pastor Paul spoke, a lot of people preach in a very funky way in our world, and they separate and they, they, they lose idea of what this big picture is. There are people that actually preach, you get married, but there's no intercourse. There should be no sexual relationship. There are whole groupings of people who, who participate in this line of thinking, and I'm going, no, no, just become a nun or a priest, whatever, Jesus, come on. Like, that, that's not the deal. If you are in a marriage union, that should be a beneficial part of your marriage, something that you enjoy together, and that's a positive piece of it. When Paul talks about singleness, there, there's a lot of reasons that he would be talking about and encouraging them to stay single. And, and one, a, a couple of those things, there was a couple things happening. Um, Nero was on the rise. There were some evil, evil people 
in place in leadership over that whole area. And they were just, they were killing Christians left and right. Like you guys know some of the stories of some of those things. But basically, it was the thing like we were talking this morning. It wasn't like they would just kill you if you're Christian. You know, for Philip, they, they the the story of, of crucifying him, hanging him out in front of the, the whole entry gate here, and then raping his seven kids in front of him. Like, and Paul's saying, don't, for goodness sakes, don't subject yourself to that. If you don't have to, like, there's some, the, the world is gnarly. It's bad. It's not good. Like, if you don't have to jump in that, or if you're not inclined to do that, don't force yourself into it. The other thing that they were looking at is in Acts chapter 11, verse 28, there was a prediction, there was a prophecy that there would be a great famine, that there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth, and there was a lot of stuff that was out there. And basically it says that there would be food shortages that would result in riots and starvation and poverty and social upheaval and death. And Paul is saying, all this stuff is happening, y'all. So you're not required to get married if that's not how you're laid out. But he does talk about marriage. We're going to talk about that a little bit. So um, I kind of went through here, and I just noted a few things that Paul said. One is that married life is for that man and that wife only. There is no one to be brought in to that marriage or no one who is allowed to step outside of that marriage if it's in there. In our world, we deal with multiple different kinds of ways where people step in and out of marriage. Um, the biggest one, because of social media, is the whole emotional affair deal. When you begin to seek somebody else for the needs that your spouse should provide, you have stepped outside of your marriage. When you entreat somebody to trust you with something that their spouse should provide for them, whether that's care, protection, love, spiritual direction, that's an emotional affair. That's what it looks like. I've watched emotional affairs happen even in boardrooms. It's not like you have to be alone having dirty talk behind the back doors. It's simply allowing somebody into that space that you have joined in with another for that deepest, most open and honest communication. The crazy part is we do this with guy friends. We do this with girlfriends. And we find ourselves in a place where we replace our spouse and the things that they are, are deficient in for the people that we trust. And we bring them in to our marriages in some way. We have to guard against that. We have to ask ourselves, is the stuff I'm trusting my friend or my coworker or however that goes, even down to leaders, teachers, pastors, is that kind of stuff stuff that my spouse should be trying to attend to? Big one. Okay. The second thing is that um, it's very clear in here. Now, normally because I'm a guy, I would skip to the part where it says, wives, service your husbands. Okay? But in Scripture here, if you look at the order of it, it says, husbands, attend to your marital duties. And then wives, do likewise. Okay? So... One thing we talked about this morning, and I wanted to just bring up in this, and this is kind of like, I'm just giving you the captain. You guys have talked about a lot of this stuff. But wives, um, to my sad realization, it is not just your duty to give it up whenever necessary. You know what I'm talking about. 
Don't look at me like, what do you mean, give it up? Okay, I may be talking like a rapper or something like that, but you know what I'm getting at here, okay? It is not a requirement of you to have sex with your husband at any given moment just because he decided, woo, it's time, right? But there is a duty that a husband and wife do share, and we do have needs, all of us. But the Bible is clear in this, and it's, it's been something that I'm walking through as well in the midst of this, that husbands are to care for their marital duties with their wife, whether that's emotionally or physically, sexually. There are guys, um, shocking, I know, that are into sex only for their own benefit. <gasps> Whoa, I know. It's, it's amazing to think about that, right? Because it makes them feel good and they like what it does. And at the end of the day, they don't even know like how you work. They're like, oh, well, I don't know. What it's, uh, I don't get the parts, right? I just like them. I don't understand how it all works. I just like it. That's not what God calls us to. The, the Bible actually calls us as men to take care of our women first. And then our women will do likewise. And so we have to understand the whole idea, and you guys have heard it before, the women are a crock pot and the guy's like a toaster oven, you know, like, you know, microwave. Let's go with that one, okay? So guys, you know, how long does it take to melt butter in the microwave? Like five seconds, right? Yes, ready to go, right? And women, it's like you have to start it days in advance. Honey, you look pretty. I just want you to know I clean, I dusted all downstairs. I'm going to come home early from work today and vacuum a little, you know, just to make sure it's right. I changed the sheets on the bed and washed it, put it all back. And ladies are like, oh, I'm getting a little steamy here. I don't know. <laughs> you come home, you smell red sauce cooking, and you're like, really, honey, you cook dinner? Well, you know, I was just thinking of you. I wanted to attend to your needs. You know what? We've got to attend to some things, sweetheart, right? And, and here's the thing. We have to be aware of that. And so husbands, we have to be wise in that, and we have to take care, and we have to look, and we have to understand. And, and the truth of it is, if guys want it more often, they've got to give it more often. Okay. I've got, I'm building up a whole group of haters outside the room, but a whole lot of fans inside the room, okay? So if we want, if, I mean, and guys are like, I mean, you got to know, if it was every day, it would be hallelujah, right? If it, uh, every minute, we would probably, but, but that's just how we're wired. And, and we want to be careful and cautious to understand that. Now, it goes in there to say that the body is, is not yours. It's yielded to your spouse. This has been a topic of discussion as well. My wife's body is my body. If I want to look at my wife, this is why she isn't here this morning, by the way. If I want to look at my wife, I, I should have the ability to look at my wife. And if she wants to look at me, she doesn't want to look at me. But, but if she wanted to, she should have the ability to. There should be that place. When you're in marriages where husband and wife are ashamed of their own physical being and their own bodies, and they're running from door to door, don't look, don't look. That's not okay. All right? And, and, and you may be embarrassed about it, then do something about it. We got, there's all kinds of things that you can do these days, right? But the big picture of it is that God says, this is your spouse and this is your husband. Give yourself to them. And don't you find it interesting that in our world, the biggest point of insecurity that people have in a lot of our world is their physical appearance and their physical bodies. 
don't you think the enemy wants to attack at our biggest points on that? But Jeff, you don't understand. You've got some of the same stuff. And No. Here's, here's one thing that we get off on uh, a, a tangent here is we, we look at this world and, and we see all this stuff out there, right? And we forget that our mate should be our standard. If you're looking in magazines to find your standard, wrong. If you're reading these little romance novels to find out how you're, how you tick and how it should work, you're looking in the wrong place. In our world, pornography is one of the biggest issues that we struggle with, and women are just as susceptible to it as men. And it's not about just viewing people in the act. It's about replacing our standard with something other than our spouse. You've got to be careful. Do you realize the catalogs that can come to my house simply because I ordered my wife a bottle of perfume over Christmas? The catalogs that now come to my house would have been considered deep pornography about 40, 50 years ago. Do you realize now the, the issues that I get for uh, every couple of you know sports magazines that I order the issues that just come and hang out in my house, in my living room, uh, when they get dropped off, that those would have been pornography forbidden in our society? You realize that the, the I could go for days, toothpaste commercials for crying out loud. I don't know, but you get the point. The standard is so crazy. And what the enemy wants us to do is replace our standard. Wants to say, you, your husband's nice, but that's what it should be like. That when you're making love to your husband, you have a different picture in your mind. Something else going on. No, you kind of need that. No, not acceptable in the presence of God. You yield yourself to your spouse. And then I like the idea, abstain only when there's things like prayer going to be involved. <laughs> okay, let's clarify this. Um, Y'all, we got to be really careful so that we're not just withholding as power, right? Well, I'm sorry, you didn't do that this time, so I'm not going to do that. Because for some of us, that's the only thing we got, right? For some of us, like, I don't know, uh, you can't do that. Ah. But the truth of it is, there is so much out there. I just gave you the whole idea of the pornography thing. But you realize only 2% of boys who graduate high school will not be involved with or exposed to pornography. Only 2% do. And those are mostly homeschool kids. Okay? Because they are in different environments. They are set up, right? But I'm going to tell you, it is simple. I, my daughter's clicking along on her computer. She's doing a report on, like, dinosaurs the other day. Whoops, there it is. Right? And if you're a boy, you don't go, oh, that's disgusting. No, I'm just going to tell you, your little boys work the same as everybody else's little boys. Shazam, right? Yes, exactly. Yes. So they, there's temptation, there's tricks, there's all this stuff. You know, so here's the thing. This is the big concern that we have is if we put our spouse off, Paul is very open. He says, we have drives. We have passions. He says it later on. He was like, if you can't control yourself, and that's not a bad thing. 
He's saying, you have things in you that make you go wild. Like, that's what it's built for. You're supposed to be like this. You're supposed to be made like this. But if you can't control that, if you don't feel like you can set that aside, then these are the steps you take. And it's okay. It's good within the framework of this. And for here, we have to understand, honestly, if we're not activating those things in our lives, we better be about prayer. We better be about fasting. We better be about places of repentance. We better be in places of restoration. We better be in those places because you're not just cruising along and shutting your hormones down every, you know, however that works. That doesn't work. I wanted to jump ahead because I've only got a couple minutes and I just wanted to give you a picture of this. But Paul also realizes that there's things like divorce and brokenness. And he makes room. Paul is the guy who said, I used to be staunch and I would judge everybody when I walked in the room. But now I'm become a slave to Jesus. And while there is right and wrong and there is instruction and direction, I also understand that God wants to work in ways that he can do within the context of this church. And he begins to describe that, what that looks like. So he says, when you accept Christ, if your unbelieving husband or wife will still have you, then serve them and continue in their faith. He says, if you are a, a, a widow or you find yourself out of divorce, which he says single here, but it means a result of a divorce where you are single, then embrace that. But if you can't control yourself, and if that is still a desire of your life and mind and body and spirit, then find a husband, find a wife, move on that. Here in our culture, we got this thing that we, we call them cougars, right? There's ladies whose husbands have kind of dropped them at the door for somebody younger and whatever because right, we live in a fallen culture and, and, and or they find themselves single from an, a premature death or something like that that's taken place. And they find themselves in their uh, mid to late 40s, 50s, and they're cruising around and they're on the hunt. Getting married? No, I've done that before. Still have needs? Yep. And Paul brings it up in some of his other letters. He says, you need to be married. Like, get married because you're only stumbling as you go and causing everybody else to fall in your wake. That's the, I mean, he was talking about that. He just didn't use the name. And he was saying, be careful what that looks like. Be cautious and measure your spirit and measure your heart. And if God has not released you of that, if that's something you still desire, then be sure to find your mate. And then do what you will do. And be at peace and be at grace and be at rest. And the way he wraps it up here, I love how he wraps it up. He's, he's just lifting the bondage saying, you don't have to be a virgin the rest of your life. You need to find a mate. You don't have to be under this bondage of only holiness can be found in this lifestyle. It, there, either way, it's good. God has provided for those things. But when you do marry, this is your purpose. This is it. This is the deal. This has been put in place. God is good. So I want to end with this last little thought here. So I don't want to find any men in the church married to where we can look around for everybody around and go, well, they must be a Christian. Because there have been too many 
loveless, passionless marriage that just creaked in the back door for it to be glorified for eternity. God will be glorified in whatever place we find him. But I believe that the Spirit of God is calling us in the church, in our marriages, to have the kind of marriages that people look at and go, I want that. And when your children and your grandchildren read the story of your marriage, that they would look and say, that's the place where all their joy went away. Because they didn't just read it, they seemed to relish it. They could relate to it. However that looks like in your life, in your marriage, in your relationships, don't let it be boring. You know, some people look at it and they're like, well, you know, our sexual relationship, this isn't, you know, kind of, you know what? There's some people, every time they go to Starbucks, they get black coffee, and that's great for them. But there's some people, every time they go to Starbucks, they want a different flavor of latte, or they want a two-pump, three-pump, however you want to work it out. Those are the kind of people God says, I'm lifting the boundaries between you and your spouse. If you want black coffee every single time, praise be to God. If you need to get a little freaky-deaky with your husband and wife, then praise be to God. But at the end of the day, our marriages are the reflection of the glory of God's grace. It is not dirty. It is not gross. It is not against God's plan. It is not out of order. It is not out of line. You can stand in worship and still desire your mate because it's a reflection of God's gospel of his son coming to receive his bride and take us on to become our covering, our protector, and one with us that we might stand before the throne of the Almighty God is the ultimate goal. And at the end of it, our generations behind can look and say, they didn't just make it, they said they fell in it. They didn't just make it, they were the fathers and mothers of generations behind them. God is just amazing. So God, we submit our marriages and our desires for marriage and our marriages past that you would redeem those. Father, I pray whatever place our women here find themselves, that you would open our hearts and our minds to understand the reflection of your son's goodness to our relationships. Lord, there's like five more days worth of people wrapped up in this that need to hear it. And I pray that as these ladies have read your word, that they would be convicted by your Holy Spirit and also released by your spirit. Father, take your word and multiply it back into their lives and their workplace and their homes and allow your presence to cover this place. And as we go, may we go as the people of God who have chosen to say it is not good enough to be good enough, but we shall see the king of glory lifted up and it will ring out through people. We praise you, we thank you, and we give.